Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 26. I will read from verse 26 to verse 55. I am reading out of the English Standard Version. Starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will, will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to me, to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things to me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud of the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Father, we thank you for every good and perfect gift, Lord God. We thank you for your servant, Mary, Lord God, who teaches us how to love you. She teaches us how to adore you and to worship you and to obey you, Father God, and to be filled with the hope of your promises, Lord God. And we pray today as we go through Mary's life, Father God, how much of a benefit she is to us today, Father God, as we recognize within this humble maidservant a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. Bless this sermon, I ask, 
In Jesus' name. Speaking about the Virgin Mary today, and uh, my desire is to really see just how awesome Mary is. Just how beautiful and elegant and, and, and filled with grace she really is to encourage us in our spiritual life. And to do this, to really appreciate her contribution to the faith that we can enjoy and be inspired by everything she has shown us. And she has shown us much, and I'm not going to go through everything about it. We need to go through a moment of understanding and reflection on Roman Catholicism teaching about Mary. Their teaching about Mary has elevated her beyond scriptural recognition and distorted, and this is a bad thing, distorted the true value, the true value of this blessed saint of God. My evaluation will be brief. Catholic theology teaches four main dogmas about Mary. One is her perpetual virginity. Immaculate conception, assumption into heaven, and her mediatory intercession for sinners next to Jesus. All these are founded on three verses of Scripture. I have you know just three verses of Scripture. One is found in Luke 2.28. We just read it all. Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Luke 1.42 Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In Luke 1 48, which we also read, Mary says in her own words, For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From these verses, Catholic theologians over 1,500 years have developed what now stands as firm doctrines to be observed. And uh, the reasoning goes like this. Let me give you understanding on how they came across these, even though they're not found in Scripture. The reasoning goes like this. Jesus is the only son to ever be able to choose his mother. And since Jesus is capable of giving all good gifts, because any son would naturally want to give good gifts to their mother, and Jesus has empowered all the power of God, he's able to give every good gift to his mother. The greatest of this gift is sanctifying grace. Uh, and that is what the Immaculate Conception is. That Jesus gave his mother Mary the ability to be conceived without the stain of original sin. And he gave her a supernatural life that she could live throughout her life and overcome every temptation from within and from without without ever giving in to sin. In 1854, this was... Uh, given as an official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. I think it was Pius IX that did that in 1854. And uh, he spoke ex cathedra from the throne as infallible. And on that day it was made a doctrine to be observed by all Roman Catholics. The seeds of this go all the way back to church fathers. Irenaeus, Jerome, uh, even uh, someone like Augustine believed in something of the virgin birth of Mary. They had uh, something of the Immaculate Conception and, uh, and lifting up Mary to a high position. Uh, but it was really developed over the centuries and it came to pass in 1854. And about the assumption, it sort of fo follows the same line of reasoning. Since Jesus was in heaven and what son wouldn't want his mother in heaven, and since he had all the power to bring her to heaven, both body and soul, and because she was without sin, then it was only right that and reasonable that Jesus, 
the Son of God would take his mother, body and soul, into heaven. This is the assumption. Again, it's not found in any verse of scripture. It all goes to the presupposition of what son would not give his mother good gifts. That's the whole presupposition. Uh, the perpetual virginity flows from uh, the scriptures teach that Mary had many other children, six to be exact. Uh, but her perpetual virginity is not just she just didn't have uh, any more children, but that even in Jesus, she somehow had a supernatural cesarean. That somehow or another, Jesus was supernaturally born, and she still remained a virgin. And when you put it all together, now that Mary is in heaven with Jesus, naturally she would be the queen of heaven, and that she also can intercede for sinners. Now, uh, Catholics take this very serious. Uh, like myself and many people in this room, we come out of Roman Catholicism, and that there was a time this was serious in my own life. But in light of what Scripture teaches me, I have to lean towards what the Bible clearly teaches us about Jesus being the only mediator between God and man. And to realize that presuppositions, when they're not supported by proper theology, what happens is it just develops over many, many, many centuries. And the point is, we believe that in their desire to do Mary a proper homage, and I want you to listen to this, they in turn, without realizing it, diminish her true beauty, wealth, and contribution to the Christian faith. And that's the best man can do. The best we can do is gloss over the beauty of anything. We, God shows us the, pu- the true beauty of Mary. And the true beauty of Mary is in Mary's heart. That's where her true beauty and elegance really is. It, it points to her God. Her whole life pointed to how wonderful and beautiful and, and majestic Yahweh of the Old Testament was. And Mary's story doesn't start up in the heavens as the, uh, as, uh, as, uh, as, uh, the queen of heaven, but it really starts in Nazareth of Galilee. In Jewish history, not much is... Not much good commentary comes forth from either Galilee or Nazareth. It's usually all negative. Uh, Both have negative connotations associated with them. Galileans had some kind of reputation. Let me express this to you. They were known as generous but impulsive. Of simple manners and earnest piety but intense nationalism. They were excitable, passionate, quarrelsome to the point of being violent. But they were recognized that they cared more about honor than they did about money. There was simple education. As a matter of fact, uh, they spoke poorly. Their grammar was constantly in error. They mispronounced words constantly. They were rebuked for neglecting the study of the Hebrew tongue. We see this in Matthew 26 when the slave girl said to Peter, Are you not also a Galilean? They could tell by his dialect and the way he spoke that he spoke Poorly. He spoke the Hebrew tongue poorly. And they recognized that all Galileans spoke the Hebrew tongue poorly. They were constantly mispronouncing. Now, I want you to know how encouraged I was when I studied this out. <laughs> that if God would use them, and I'm doing okay from Brooklyn over there. I want you to know that. I was very encouraged. In tears, I was encouraged. And that's no joke. <laughs> Nazareth, Galilee, was in the north of the Palestinian uh, the land, you know, about 230 miles long, 60 miles wide at its widest, and at the north was Galilee. 
and uh, it was the furthest point away from Jerusalem, which was really the hubbub of, of Judaism. Uh, but yet it was looked upon and it was looked down upon as inferior. And Nazareth was a town in Galilee, and Nazareth was the worst of all towns in Galilee. They, they got a, a double stigma to them. They're not just Nazareth, they're Nazareth of Galilee. This is where Mary lived. This is where Christ came from. We know about what Nathaniel said to his brother. Can anything good come from Galilee, from Nazareth? <coughs> Nazareth was known as, in some words, morally laxed. They had a reputation of impiety. They were Jews to a certain extent, but they really didn't go all the way. This is Mary's background. And it's important for us to know the, the luster and beauty of Mary, of where she grew up, and how she grew up, and its negative context she grew up in. The great thing about Mary, no matter how bad the context was, her heart was pure before God. And that is what the scriptures are teaching us. She was a humble maidservant whose heart was right before God. Mary was poor, culturally, financially. When she had to bring Jesus to the temple, all they had was the poor person's uh, gift. And that was two turtle doves. With two pigeons. That's all she could afford to offer for the Christ of God. But she wasn't just poor culturally and financially. She was pious poor. And that's something we need to recognize. She was a simple woman from low circumstances and tough surroundings who worshipped God from a pure heart no matter what her circumstances were. Her heart and her mind were directed at the will of God. Her heart was set on God. Her hope was in the promises of God in the Old Testament. Long before Mary had, was to give birth to a child, she already had something living inside her. She had the hope of the Messiah as a Jewish girl living inside her already. She believed in the promises of God. She knew she was of humble circumstances, but yet she knew that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be faithful to all those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. She calls them the poor here. God exalts the poor, and he lowers the prideful. And she was living her life out in a simple, childlike faith, holding on deeply to the promises of God, though she could see nothing. There were no signs anywhere that God was on the move. Rome was in control uh, of, of Palestine. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, with all their hypocrisy, were in control of Jerusalem and the temple and, and the empty worship that was going on there. But yet this young woman held on to the promises of God. How hard it is to hold on to the promises of God when everything around you is pointing contrary. This is the faith of Mary. She was a young virgin girl dreaming about her new life to come with Joseph. When the angel came knocking and said, Mary, O favored one, the Lord is with you. You will be with a child by the Holy Spirit. How can this be since I am a virgin? She was keeping herself pure from the surrounding influences of the culture she lived in. Though Mary had a simple trust in God, please understand this. She was by no means simple-minded or naive. This woman, mine, had a profound understanding 
and when she was a deep thinker theologically. And she was a young woman of courage. Galileans were known as courageous people. And she had courage. When Mary said, let it be done according to me, according to your word, she was fully aware of the implications morally, socially, and theologically. Morally of the suspicion and shame she would naturally endure from people like Joseph and say, you're telling me an angel told you you're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Let's do the math here. Do you think a culture was going to believe this? Do you think family was going to believe this? Do you not think there was an air of suspicion? And we see this in the Gospels and they said, isn't this the son of the carpenter? And we can see that this Mary grew up in a, an air of suspicion about her. She knew the implications. She knew let it be done according to your word. No matter if nobody believes me. And I suffer the scorn of infidelity, fornication, and adultery. Still, let it be done according to that word. No matter what the culture, no matter what the religious leaders say, I will obey, let it be done according to that word. Gabriel came to Mary. Joseph, later on in Matthew chapter 1, we find out that Matthew came, uh, not Matthew, but Joseph came, and when he heard, he thought of divorcing her quietly. Mary didn't say an angel came. Mary trusted in God for the angel to go to Joseph, which he did, and let the angel instruct Joseph. Mary fully embraced the reality of the shame and ridicule she was going to meet because she embraced the will of God for her life. Surely an angel came to you. But also theologically. When Elizabeth said, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She was speaking not just about the pregnancy itself, but she was speaking about the things the angel said about Jesus and Jesus' ministry and the ongoing work of redemption. She believed that this son would be great. She believed that he would be the son of the Most High. She believed that he would have the throne of David, and that his reign would reign, that his kingdom would reign forever, and that when it came to the kingdom of God, it would have no end. This is what Mary was saying. You believe, not just that you would be pregnant, but you believe that God's ongoing work through the Messiah in a sinful world, this is what she believed. Not just the simple pregnancy. No. Mary saw the greater theological connotations that were taking place, all the implications that God was on the move, though he hadn't spoken since Malachi 400 years earlier. God was on the move again, and this is what she believed. The Messiah was come with all his promises was more important to her than her just being pregnant with the Messiah. It wasn't about just being pregnant and being pregnant with the Messiah. It was about everything the Messiah was going to do for Israel and for the poor and for everybody else in the world. In her song of praise, it had components of personal praise for God's great grace to her, but it also had the wonderful good news to Israel and the rest of the world. Three times we see that scripture attributes to Mary of deep reflecting mind. In 129 Luke, she pondered the things the angel said. 
In 2.29, she treasured everything the shepherd said concerning the baby. In 2.51, she kept and treasured everything in her heart. Jesus said about himself that he must be in his father's house about his, about his father's business. Collectively, they saw a young girl astute in listening for the greater implication of what the word of God says. This is no mere shallow thinker. This is no little 14 or 15 year old girl. This is a woman with purpose whose mind was saturated with Old Testament scripture and allusions of the coming Messiah. And treasuring all these truths in her heart, they shaped her life, all her life. God was on the move again for Israel, for herself, and for all humanity. And Mary was fully aware of it. And she pondered all these things. She thought about them collectively. She took them serious. In Mary's song of praise, as we know as the Magnificat, we see her self-evaluation. She saw that she was the recipient of God's great grace and that she was just of humble estate. Though she rejoiced and magnified the Lord in soul and spirit and knew she would be called blessed amongst women from generation to generation as the Messiah's mother naturally and that the Mighty One has done great things for her, yet she never lost sight that it's all God's glory and God's honor at stake and not her own. Everything she said pointed to God and the Christ. In verses 50 to 55, Mary's mind and heart now turn to the greater implication. God blesses all in some way of those who fear him as she did in their own context of life. And that give the amen to the word when they hear it. And say, let it be done according to thy word. The God exalts the poor. And she recognized he's opposed to the prideful. Though the prideful don't see it yet, they're impotent in this life and the life to come. And that the humble, those who are humble in the scriptures, those who are dependent on God, whether rich or poor, are exalted here in this life by being part of God's work in this world and personal salvation and eternal life. And has filled the poor with good things. That's the knowledge of the truth. Because the truth sets men free. And God loves humility. God loves you, a humble person, whether rich or poor, that can say I'm dependent on God in all the details of my life like Mary was. And those who do their will, no matter how society is going to look at us, no matter how much we're going to be shunned or don't fit in, virginity was greatly honored in the ancient culture. And for a young girl to find to be found with, with a child and not a husband was scorn and ridicule. You were, you were thrown out of, the, out of the nation, out of the town, out of the family. Yes, you deserved even to be stoned to death under Old Testament law. Yet she endured it all for the sake of being obedient. And in the end, those who are rich with themselves and rich with the world's good and rich with the culture and become self-dependent, not God-dependent, will go away hungry. That's eternally lost. And she closes with Israel's faithful God, who remembers his promises of old regarding his people, and that God is always and ever faithful to his covenant promises. This is a Mary I can relate to. This is a Mary that touches my heart. 
This is a man that fills me with grace as I ponder how wonderful and obedient this young girl, maybe 14, maybe 13, maybe 15 years old, filled with courage to obey God in the most trying times. This is a Mary I can learn from. This is a Mary that touches my heart and mind and encourages me forward in my own Christian life. She gets me to look at God. She gets us to look at his faithfulness and to his word, his promises. This is a Mary that gives me a living hope in this dark culture that I live in. This is inspiration at its best. Those who humble, those who's humble, obedient life in the tough circumstances that point to God and never to oneself. That's, that's encouraging. That's inspiration. Christians are supposed to point to God, never to ourselves. We always need to be careful ever to point to another Christian. It's God we point to. We're inspired by many other Christians, but we're inspired because they lived for God. Mary's beauty her grace and her elegance and her power aren't found up in the stratosphere as queen of heaven. No. Mary's grace and beauty and elegance is found here, down here on earth in the pages of the Bible where I can read it and it can touch my heart and I can be inspired to live like Mary lived and obey like Mary obeyed. That inspires me. That's the Mary I can see. I can touch. I can love that. Like I love Paul and I love Paul's life and I love Peter's life. I can love Mary. I can, I can see and see how profound she was and her love for God. And that touches deeply my heart. And she inspires today in our application. <coughs> Number one. She believed. She was socially, culturally, financially insignificant. But she didn't let any of that hold her down. She believed the word of God. Pedigree has nothing to do with pleasing God. Nothing at all. Faith does. Faith in God's word and God's promises. This is what pleases God. Not pedigree. Two. You and I are not going to carry the son of God in our wombs, that's for sure. But we do carry a message of salvation. That the Son of God came to pay for in our hearts. We're ambassadors. And it's our job to carry that message. The way Mary faithfully carried the baby Jesus. And nurtured the baby Jesus. And nurtured that young child. Until he was fit to go into ministry himself. We have that. We need to be faithful with the message of salvation. That Mary's son purchased at the cross. We need to be faithful to the message of Christ. As Mary was faithful to the baby Christ. Number three. And we like Mary will bear the shame and the shun by others who hold us in suspicion. Yes. For believing in what the Bible says right. to do. Yep. Just like Mary was held in scorn and suspicion because she believed. You can rest assured today if you are a Christian and you are believing the word of God. The culture we live in will hold us in suspicion, even calling us foolish. Also, as I said earlier, 
for Mary to be found with a child at such a young age would have bring great scorn, ridicule, even death. We live in a culture today that if you don't lose your virginity by the time you're in high school, the culture thinks there's something wrong with you. They hold you in suspicion when you say, my virginity is for God and my husband. That's like saying an angel came to me and said I was going to be born of the Holy Spirit. It's no different for a young girl to stand in the midst of this culture and say, I am staying pure for my husband and I am staying pure for God because it's the commandment of God and he has my best interest in his heart. To do that in this world is to bring shame. That's the culture of Nazareth we live in. How sad. How sad. And parents know this to be true, but they can never go home and tell their child, keep yourself pure. Find your strength in God. Find your strength in His Word. Parents rather just say, turn a deaf eye, turn a deaf ear, have safe sex. This is the culture we live in. I'm glad Mary went against the culture. And I pray for all the kids here. Go against the culture. Live for the Lord. Keep yourself right for your husband. Keep yourself pure for God. And for everybody else who's failed in this, God will make you pure again. Amen. To Christ. Amen. You can be 60, 70, 80 years old, filled with sexual sin, and God will and can make you feel like a virgin again when we repent and come to Him. We, like Mary, number four, need an honest evaluation of ourselves in this world and to recognize and enjoy our place God has given us and assigned for us. More is not always better. Mary was insignificant with everything, culturally, financially, even educationally. But yet, in God's kingdom, fidelity, faithfulness, and trust in God are powerful tools. Powerful. More is not always better. Number five. We need to have a mind like Mary. We need to ponder and cherish biblical truth in the heart. We need to hear what the Bible says about Jesus, the way Mary heard the shepherds talk about Jesus, and she hid these things in her heart, and she cherished these things. We need to see what the Bible says, and we need to cherish these truths. And not come out on Christmas or uh, uh, pay attention to Jesus once or twice or three times a year. But every day is a day to cherish Christ and to ponder his word and all the promises. Mary trusted that God was in the details of her life. She didn't take matters into her own hand. She could honestly say, let it be done according to thy word. You're in the details of my life, God. I might be misunderstood by this culture, but yet I'm willing. And last, we'll close with this. We need to really rejoice in what God has done for us. As he chose Mary, the Bible says he chose us before the world began. James 1.10 says this, You who are poor in this world... Rejoice in your exaltation of being saved in Christ. Do you value your salvation? Yes. 
Do you value the songs we sing, the creed we confess? Do you value the book that's called the Bible? Do you value that? Do you value virginity? Do you value honor? Are you willing to go against the culture just because God said so? Mary did. And she inspires me to do it too. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you for your maidservant. I thank you for the elegance and the beauty of this young girl, Father God, that felt like she was tackling the whole culture and society all on her own with you. She did not care what people thought she knew she heard the voice of God. God, I pray for us today that we are a people that are different. That we are a people, Father God, that hear your voice as the scripture teaches, Father God. And we're not ashamed to say, as Mary said, the angel told me that we're not ashamed to say, the Bible says so. 